Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 332 with Nick Shackelford of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Ghost, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. What's going on, guys? Nathan Chan here, CEO and publisher of Founder Magazine, and welcome back to another podcast interview. So uh, let's talk about today's guest. Um, his name's Nick Shackelford, and he's the co-founder of a company called Structured Social, which really specializes in Facebook advertising. It's an agency that specializes in Facebook ads. Nick himself has spent personally over $100 million. His agency is spending over $16 million a month across his whole team and company. Got about 50 people, and this guy is an absolute master when it comes to Facebook ads. And uh, I'm going to really go deep with him. Like, what's working right now? And really, his algorithm-proof strategy. What does algorithm-proof mean? Well, Facebook ads changes all the time, and uh, yeah, like how can you set up a framework, a set of rules and principles that you can just live by? A little bit like, you know, the things that I've done to build the founder Instagram from, you know, zero to nearly two million followers, basically the same principles and a lot of the stuff that I was doing four years ago still apply today, and we've actually worked with Nick to work on this algorithm-proof strategy, this framework uh, where basically you can learn how to run Facebook ads that convert. And uh, yeah, we've worked with him to create this incredible online program because we know that it's such an in-demand thing that you guys want to learn. We've put it off for a very, very long time. We didn't want to tackle Facebook ads. uh, And a big part of it is because it changes so often. It's hard to keep... It would be hard to keep a course up to date. So we've been, we really tasked him how to make this evergreen as possible. So guys, if you would like to know more about this course before we dive into the interview with Nick, just go to founder.com forward slash FBA dash AMC dash SP. Sorry, it's not a pretty link. So it's founder.com forward slash FBA dash AMC dash SP. This is an incredible program. Get on the wait list for the early bird specials. The program is going live soon. Now I'm going to talk to Nick 
and just get a ton of gold for you guys so you can get a sneak peek and a real just like so much gold on how to run successful Facebook ads. And if you enjoyed this conversation, you want to learn more from Nick and his like insanely, insanely successful strategies, like, um, yeah, make sure you go and sign up to the wait list. All right, guys, that's it from me. Now I jump to the show. Nick, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Absolutely. You, I was just kind of joking around with you before we turned live and the beauty of the world that we live in and uh, the, the blessings and the curses of whatever you want to call it. We are doing this live from Colorado where, you know, our home is, is Los Angeles. But I think with the I got my setup, I got the computer, I got the mic. It's I love what we're able to do. The on- online has just changed so many people's lives. Yeah, it's crazy. So let's jump in. Like, how did you, uh, I always ask people, how did you get your job? I've asked you that before, but maybe we might mix it up. Like, how do you, how did you find yourself doing the work you're doing today, spending ungodly amounts of money on Facebook ads uh, every single month? Like, how did you get into that? I rejected the the phrase of marketing and sales, being a salesperson or being a marketer for a very, very long time. And I know on the very first connection we did, very first podcast we talked about where I was a professional soccer player and I had to position myself, aka sell myself as a certain person. And the only way that you can like exponentially make more money than just the hour you put in at an hourly wage, which most people are doing, which is again, there's there's nothing wrong with that. That's the the traditional route that we've all been taught go do that so you can make a great living and have a great house and a, and a life. The only way you can exponentially have an infinite a infinite amount of time slash cash is if you take it online. So I'm like, okay, if I can find a way to do what I do best, which is understand how to communicate with individuals, and then you start wrapping in, understand how to position a product and communicate the benefits of that product to individuals my time is now multiplied by as many brands, products, offers that I can really be a part of. So that that at its core is what we're doing today is how do we understand how to communicate and how do we, we as a team, myself, the people on my team, my copywriters, any other market in the space knows how to position a product to sell it versus them going, I'm going to put one hour in and I know I'm going to get X dollars back. Well, if I can put one hour in, understand how to position or, or break down a product or market it, and then roll it across three similar products. Now I just three times my amount of effort after the one hour I put in, right? How that's the only the only way you can do this is if you have a massive team, which we all know that as you go that route, there's a lot of uh, a lot of things that come in with it, or you just don't you have a massive team and you allow yourself to roll out your learnings and teachings and understandings and processes across multiple products which then you can just start scaling. So that that's a long way of me saying I understood I was really good at one thing. I applied it to multiple things. And then I started having to tweak the processes to make it more applicable across more industries. Love it. So we're talking about leverage here. So um, you got a crazy story. You started off as a marketer at Apple, right? What was that like? Yeah. It was a gift. It was my first introduction to what marketing dollars really meant, right? Like, Right before that, I knew a $40,000, $55,000 salary uh, living in, in California in a middle-class house. As soon as they give you a budget that's like, hey, how many people would you like to market towards in the UK? Um, let's check how many impressions it's going to cost. And then here's your millions of dollars to play with. 
it broke all limits of what was actually happening. What what companies really do, right? You can ask someone, hey, how much do you think that TV commercial cost? They're not going to be able to tell you like, oh, they're going to be like, that's a big number. But if you can literally see adding zeros to to campaigns, it ruined ruined money for me, honestly. Now it turns into what does that look like in, in an account when you're looking at 115 brands? You go, okay, that that brand spent 7000 yesterday. Well, it was actually supposed to spend 10000 That On Apple, it was, we were supposed to spend $5 million this month. Well, actually, we were supposed to spend $25 million this month, but we couldn't get any spend because this country didn't allow X amount of dollars. It ruined what dollars meant for me, honestly. Yeah, wow. So um, how much like were you spending at Apple when it comes to media buying? Were you running just Facebook ads or are you running everything, right? No, so we were only running Facebook ads, so I can only speak to the major campaigns we were part of. They So as, as Apple ran TV spots, for their, their hero products. At the time, it was the iPhone 7, it was the iPad Pro and the iWatch. Those are like their things. It was $100 million campaigns. Now, I, I myself wasn't the person going like, thank you for that 100. It was, you're in charge of APAC, you got North America, you got South America. Like budgets were chopped. But when we as a team sat there and they go, all right, Shaq, like, here's what you're in charge of. Like, here's your deployment of cash. And here's what everybody else, like, they're going to do with their cash at the end, come back to talk about what your learnings are. So again, it shattered all understandings of, of budgets and what we can do. Cause when you, when you work with a lot of brands that have VC funding or they've come from, they're publicly traded, they seemingly have deep pockets, right? And so you don't have to think about, Oh, I need to get a return on this. You're just going to like, well, how do we get through this budget or else me as a marketer, I'm not going to get that budget next quarter. Cause they look at me and tell me I can't get through that money. Wow. That's crazy. So it wasn't like direct response, like oh god, no. It was hey, we have line item. Okay, we need to make sure we get rid of this amount of budget. We have to deploy it on Facebook. What about Twitter? Ah, that's that's somebody else handle. Let's just make sure we get through it in this country, in this region, at this dollar amount. Wow. So what were your biggest learnings there when it comes to Facebook ads and stuff? So I think this was early in in the actual ad units Facebook was rolling out. So we only were able to leverage just newsfeed. And we were, okay, I'll tell you this. There was no stories. There was no IG stories or FB stories. So that that was an angle that we weren't ever allowed to take. We only ran, which was the traditional ad unit, which is the rectangle 9 by 16 uh, or 16 by 9. So it wasn't formatted for the platform. So nowadays, we're always talking about you got to fit the format with the feed or fit the format for the platform. Back then it was take TV spot, make it into a 15 or 30 second creative and deploy it. So for me, what it actually taught me was if you're spending enough or if you if Facebook deems you important, they're going to give you every resource available. And what I mean by that is you can do this technically now on, on a smaller level. Facebook allows ac- uh, access to their API. Through their API, if you have mul- there's multiple tools, there's ones called like Magics or RevealBot, these tools that help you optimize or, or perform better at the time facebook would essentially come to us and go hey yeah in your in your ads manager or your business manager you get access to these audiences well since you're apple and you have this much budget you actually have access to these audiences we have audiences of one percent to ten percent lookalikes right that's the traditional there's up to 20 there's, there's there's 10 to 20 that people can't even touch plus before this was before um the data restrictions that we currently have today, you had income and you had income and race targeting. 
could you imagine what income and race and geolocation targeting would really, really meant? Say you're running credit, say you're running debt, say you're running so many of these other tech, and that's that's a, a hindsight learning now applied to Apple, but you could do some dangerous stuff. Mm, that's crazy. So I'll tell you this one. When, when we were learning this, why I was frustrated and why I moved away was because there was a, there was a disrespect in my eyes to, to return. Like there was no campaigns of other than, hey, upgrade your phone. That's the only really thing you see is trade in your phone and upgrade, right? Because they want to repurpose it. They want to they want you know, the newest thing. They start phasing out the old models. That was the only time we ever ran something with an objective other than reach. We need eyes. We need eyes. We need eyes. Because this is this was a Tim Cook, Tim Cook initiative of we're going digital. We're going to go to digital before Samsung, before these other brands are going to do it. Let's let's lean into it. And we were a part of that trend. Why I left, which is, leads me into like the success we had with the direct response fidget spinner, is I I didn't I wasn't valuable. I, I didn't feel the the neediness as me as the as the millennial thirty year old. I wanted to be like impactful, right? Don't, don't all of us want to drive impact? That makes sense. So yeah, let's talk about like fidgetly um, popularizing the fidget spinner. What were your biggest learnings there when it comes to Facebook ads and media buying? So you did something crazy. Uh, you had to quote me, like, uh, yeah, ha- how how fast did you grow that in terms of dollars? We hit, we hit a we hit a million dollar run rate within our within our second month. What that translates to, if without me, like, there's two numbers that stick in my mind. It was over 250k in the first month and a half, and then if it wasn't for me realizing, oh, by the way, I have to ship all this stuff out by myself, and I can't get all this from Alibaba. Th- that was like the harshest learning I've ever found, but also realized I'm not a businessman. I'm more of a, at the time I was more of a marketer. And so I had to really dial back, which I kind of ran into another one of those issues with another brand in 2017. Um, but that taught me right product, right time, right positioning. You were definitely going to win. And I, I don't think we ever talked about the angle that actually worked. The two angles that worked for. Especially did oh no, no, we didn't. Well, what are the angles? <laughs> okay. And I'm going to be as like straightforward as this. So I apologize if anybody's like, I can't believe they did that. Listen, I was young, I was inexperienced and I, and I saw, I saw dollar signs at that. And I was a young, I was a young marketer. Um, the number one trend that started coming from this were teachers buying us in bulk. So we started seeing a $20, a 50, oh, sorry, a 20 item, 50 item purchase. And then we started reaching out and asking like, Hey, uh, just out of curiosity, like, why, why so many? Why, why are you buying this? They were, they were special needs teachers. And this was, uh, this was allowing that their, their, ch- their children, their students to stay calm and not pick or tap or, or hit their desks. So they were being able to sit and spin it during their lessons. So we, we, leaned, we leaned into how are you? What kind of learner are you? Are you a, are you a kinetic learner? Are you touch learner? Um, do you have nervous energy? that you have to dispel, cool, we have that for you. Do you remember, uh, uh, what, what are they called, the fidget cube? Yeah, yeah, my mom my mom bought me one. It took a, like she backed the Kickstarter campaign and she, it took like so long and she kept following them up, like where is this fidget cube? And like, I love it. Like I, I was thinking about it yesterday actually. I was like, where the hell is my fidget cube? Because I don't see it on my desk. I don't know where it is. 
<laughs> okay, so this 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 actually was the first, and we always talk about this. Do you want to spend the dollars and educate in the market and be an early mover, or do you want to iterate on something successful in the market? Right. Well, ANSI Labs is the original the original people that created it. ANSI Labs, and you understand the Kickstarter model. If you don't get funded, or like you can you can basically take the cash and say something happens, right? Like, dude, you could you could have found a fidget cube on Alibaba or AliExpress for for pennies, and they were asking I think 40, 50, 60 bucks, never fulfilled because everybody beamed the market, right? So we I'm seeing this, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is unbelievable. Like, you don't have to go that Kickstarter, beautiful platform. It, it really does build an audience. But if you're going to build a cheap product that's essentially plastic that you can get in any mold, build a mold and, and make it, you bet it's first to market, first to market and first to differentiate, which we did. Yeah. So that's what you learn. Like when it comes to, I guess, coming into a market, um, you need to move fast. Like something like For, that. It's yeah. moving fast. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's moving fast and it's being different. Like there's a reason why we were fidgetlies. Like we were fidgetly fidget spinners. Versus being, I'm a fidget spinner, right? That that was everywhere. Everybody in the store was fidget spinner, fidget spinner, fidget spinner. But we just put a name brand on it. We let the market do itself, and they started commenting, "This isn't a fidget Like, no, this is. This is a fidget they, they they people were going, "No, this has a different cap. This is a different color. These bearings are not Abex sevens. This is this is a ceramic." Like, oh, it it got really interesting. How did you? So you popularized that that the fidget spinner, but how did you know that it was going to be a trending product? Was it because you ran some ads and you just saw extremely low CPAs and it was taking like wildfire and then you scaled like the crap out of it? Or like how did that come about? I think most people will relate to this. As soon as you because after fidgets, after fidgetly, I went towards a really aggressive learning of just media buying and how to crack winning products with drop shipping products. And I loved it up to you on that. That was a wild time. Um, but as soon as Fidgely touched, as soon as Fidgely touched an ad in Facebook and we started seeing a dollar, two dollar, three dollar, four dollar conversions, I called Jake and I was like, you need to get as many as these as possible because there's no there's no way that this is real. And and we're looking at the numbers, I'm like, that's a that's a $25 purchase, that's a two dollar conversion. Like, dude, keep going. All we had were, were mainly three ads. We had the one angle talking about to the teachers doing bulk port purchases. We had an influencer at the time, which was a muscle guy who had a lot of following. He did a wall squat with a big BOSU ball. I don't know if you know what those are. It's like a core stability. He sat on a wall. He put one of the weights on his chest and he spun the fidget spinner. And he goes, I'm going to wall sit. And as it's going right here, I'm going to wall sit as long as this fidget spinner is going to spin. And so what we did, we, we challenged everybody, like, how long can you get that spin to go for? And that in itself was like, oh, that's, that's what happened with the yo-yo. The yo-yo took off because they started running tricks. I'm like, okay, we need to have a fidgety pro team of kids, like, throwing around. You should see, I got, there's this one individual that I remember. He used to send us in the coolest stuff. He'd be, like, pulling it out of the air. And then I was like, what is he doing? Throwing it around, catching on finger. People, people in itself which is kind of like, um, I don't know what they used to call it. They were these sticks that you would like play back and forth with, or you'd throw a big rolling, big rolling cylinder and you do tricks with it. So we tried to make it a trend in terms of a game or in terms of who can collect them. Cause as, as, as you get popularized, kind of like Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! as it's making a resurgence right now, it's, it turns into a collector's item, limited edition colorway, 
limited edition plates. It's the things that aren't so different now that we all know is like, oh yeah, let's limited edition or, or collab or we were doing that just before people understand, oh, that was a marketing tactic. Mm, interesting. So it sounds like you guys were trying, you go on the drop shipping route um, and trying different products and you saw the fidget spinner just go. Yeah, we, we lost, we lost, um, I want to say we, we lost quickly, but it, to the time it was, a, it was a good amount of cash. I think it was just under about 30,000, just under 30K on the hovering, on the hovering boards. Ah, yes. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So what were the, what would, do, you, do you remember the main reasons why the hovering boards were an issue? And I'll update if you don't. I think it was due to um, them catch on fire, right? Because <laughs> yeah. we got, actually got one in the office and it's one of those dodgy ones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we <laughs> that was a first like, oh, let's like see this out. I have a corporate job still. Like I'm working at Apple. Like this is cool. And then I'm like, oh, let's try that product. And Jake tried it. But I was like, oh, it's. It's heavy. You got to ship it. If you get a faulty one, it kind of sucked. And then, then you look at the fidget spinner. All the elements actually make sense. It's, it can be, uh, it can be fit in, a, in an envelope. Cool. Shipping is light. You can get it there in two, three days. You can ship from Middle America. It's going to get to wherever you want to be. So there was a lot of things that were benefiting itself through that product in hindsight as to why things work so well. And that that wasn't calculated. That was just right time, right place, right product. And guess what? We were right there, right as school was about to come in. So if you the timing of kids wanting it, end of summer coming into school, oh, that was like its own growth factor. Like, dude, what is that? Your mom bought you one of those? Oh man, bummer. Yeah, that's crazy. So, okay, so so you tried different products, fidget 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 spinner boomed. You popularized that, and then you learned some good lessons as well on investors. And all that yeah. side of thing, um, and then what happened next? You, that's when you went back into industry, right? To to work yeah. on your chops as a media buyer. What did you learn then? What were some of those key things? Absolutely. So I got told a very important thing that I had to realize, and I'm I'm thankful I learned it now. And I think we even talked about this last time. Is if you if there's somebody that wants to get into media buying or digital marketing and don't know where to start or they're having trouble because they're trying to choose a product like one go listen to greta on how to find the product and then how to build the audience right that's one because I, I didn't understand if that was there back then i probably would have taken a different product path but since i didn't know that was a solution i i said hey the one thing that no one's going to be able to take away from me is if i have the ability to produce and create revenue for myself and for every people it's kind of like if you're in sales, you're, you're usually going to have a job somewhere because you know you can sell. That's the route I took is like, hey, if I can produce and feed myself, I know somewhere I can provide value, right? No matter, even if it's a job I hate, I know I can have a job. Uh, and so I chose, I'm not going to go spend the money and waste any of the money that we made from uh, Fidgely on finding another product because I've already experienced one not working and I experienced one working, which in my mind is like, cool, there's an odd of 50-50 and probably way less than that for, for a success hit rate. Where do I know I can learn if I don't felt, feel very romantic about a product? I went back into industry. So I knew that if I could learn this skill and that it could be transferable across any industry with, with nuance, right? Like there's still good fundamentals, but if lead gen versus uh, like econ, there's like slight differences because you have to take in different margins, right? But I knew if I could learn this skill and that I knew 
that there's like intricacies and tactics, I'm never going to be able to, I'm never going to be jobless essentially. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, tell me about kind of, uh, you, then you started structured, uh, and no. that, no, no, no right. I, I spent, I spent three years, uh, what is it? One, two, three. I went agency Y and then common thread working at working under other, other leaders because I didn't, I didn't know how to, a, I didn't know how to build a team. I knew it was a great marketer and I knew I wanted to make a bunch of money. Those are the two things I really knew about myself outside of uh, not wanting to go into products. So I spent as much time learning and selling. I sold magnetic eyelashes. Um, I think I've done a couple million on magnetic eyelashes, uh, electric flame light bulbs, uh, dog grooming, dog grooming brushes, vanity mirrors, makeup brush cleaner, teeth whitening, charcoal masks. You just go, if you, if you were to share a list of like, have you sold this or like that, 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 because at the time you didn't have to buy anything. You can just drop ship and make money and they didn't really care. And so I was having the clients go, Hey Nick, try this product. I was like, Hey, good. They cracked that. That's 50. What's the next product. And that, that is where I was like, okay, here's my meat, my media buying skills. Here's my positioning skills. Here's my copywriting skills. Okay, but I'm not selling anything I actually believe in. I, I actually want to start selling branded products, which is the difference between having a sustainable business that's replicable versus having a flash in the pan, make some cash, and you're on to the next thing. So after that, we got into building structure where I realized I can market, I know how to lead a team, and now like let's see if I can put the own like my shack spin on it. Love it. So um, you've been building structured for a while now. You have over 50 people uh, around that, right? Around 50 people, which is crazy. Um, and yeah, your your agency structured is spending is over 10 million a month on Facebook ads. Yeah, I checked it before. I checked it right before we jumped onto this. This, this month will be at 16, uh, just because we're picking up. We're, we're coming right into Q4. The re, I believe it should have been closer to 20, and the reason why. Uh, we couldn't get it that close is because some of the partners that we had in communicating what we need to be doing on platform. Now, primarily our audience of who we're selling to, whether whether you're an international brand or not an international brand, you're still choosing to spend majority of your dollars in the U.S. The only reason why you're not is because you have shipping issues or some some something to do with customs. Like you're having some sort of issue if you're not selling in, in the States and you're an international uh, business. They're like, I don't, I don't believe what's going to happen because of COVID. I don't believe what's going to happen because of the elections. I don't want to spend money right now. And again, it is what it is. Like you, it, it's not going to be something where we're going to force things for for you because if that's the case, that's not a good partner. So I believe it should have been over twenty. We're 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 going to be just underneath it, but it's because right now brands are turning their Black Friday offers on now, and we're just trying to spend in spending to build the audience because I'd rather be ahead and know what our sell-through rate's going to be so that if we do have to turn things down when it gets crazy during those major days, those specific days that everybody's planning for, I'd rather take that and be like, cool, we didn't have to wait for these major moments. We spread across our, our pre- predictability of sales across these four, three weeks, four weeks versus aggressive spikes on customer service, on fulfillment within four to five days, right? Yeah, wow. Okay, interesting. So 
yeah, you guys are spending a lot of money. You've spent personally, yeah. that's just your agency. You've spent personally over 85 million personally on Facebook ads. So I'd love to talk about kind of biggest lessons learned, um, like really delving deep on like spending that amount of money. What are some of your biggest lessons learned? You talked about media buying, you talked about copywriting, and you talked about positioning, and then probably. Um, mine might be creative as well. If we could delve on each of those, that would be awesome. Let's start with like media buying. Like what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned um, on media buying? We're, we're in Christmas time. So I'll, I'm going to tell you what that star is right now. If we talk, I'm going to, I'm going to give you the tree. Okay. So if I would tell you that that golden star at the top, um, that is confidence. I would say the confidence in a media buyer is the number one thing or confidence in a marker. If you're in charge of money, and, and large amounts of money, you have to have some sort of confidence and belief in yourself because, and it really splinters down the confidence to be like, Hey, I know how to allocate this budget. I know who my target is. I know what my campaigns are. I know what I should be doing. That's a confidence and understanding all your numbers and understanding all the positioning. So that that's at the top, right? That's what we get. But the foundation beneath it is what we're alluding to right now is what, did, what is the biggest thing I learned? If you don't have a process or a way of planning before all your campaigns go live or all your just content that you create or for your positioning for the copywriting goes live, you're already losing. Cause as soon as something starts to work or not work, you don't know where to go back and fix it. You know, it's, 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 it's like the leaky bucket where every, every hole you fill, you have another one that's kind of just leaking more water. If you don't know where that's going to start, and especially in media buying, if you don't have ways to track back, okay, I chose these audiences with this creative and this amount of budget, something here didn't work or something did work, how do you double down or how do you stop it? That that to me is the number one thing I learned is you have to plan your media. You have to have the confidence to execute the media and stick with the data and allow it to allow the data to tell yourself. There's We all have this like subjective bias, which why we do our naming conventions in our accounts to not be specific to a lot of the angles because there's sometimes where you look at you like oh i want this one to run a little bit longer because i think it's going to work but i don't care what you think i want you to tell me what the numbers are going to tell you like should that run or should that not run right like that that's hard stop like you don't have to think about it any deeper so on a media buying level you have to have the confidence you have to have your plan and you have to understand the metrics that you need to make decisions upon what was your second one so mgd mgd all day. So MGD is like, you just got to make good decisions. You know what I mean? <laughs> make, making good decisions allows you to be confident. The confident allows you to have all the decision-making second nature. Because if you're, if you're hunting in accounts and you're looking through your dashboards and you're going like, why is this working? I don't know, guys, what should we do? That confidence, because usually you're not media buying by yourself. You have somebody else you're communicating, you're communicating with, whether it's client, whether it's your creative partner, whether it's Anybody else on your team, if they look at you as the person driving the ship with the dollars and you're the one turning it on and off and you don't have the confidence, everybody else doesn't have the confidence. Biggest lessons on media buying is having a framework um, to make good yeah. decisions, you know, and then also um, knowing your unit economics and just getting really, really clear on what that is and then just sticking to that. What about when it comes to like, you know, lookalikes, um, when it comes to retargeting versus prospecting, what are your, what are your learnings there? Okay. So I know, I know what you're trying to get out right here. So within media buying, there's ways of breaking it out of what, what, where your attention needs to be. And that's 
to break down the disclaimer that most people have is Facebook is only good for one thing, remarketing. Or the other people are like, Facebook is not good for marketing. It's just good for prospecting. No, actually, it's as good as what you want it to be because it's a tool. It depends on you as the marketer and depends on what your fundamentals are. Facebook is a full funnel acquisition tool. It, it, it can do all of it, right? Whether you have a conversation around Snapchat or Pinterest or TikTok or whatever, Facebook will do it all. The only difference here is at the prospecting level. So we talk at top of funnel, prospecting is new customers. That's your lookalikes, your broad audiences, and your interest bases that Facebook's going to give you. Those three, those three specific areas, we could talk for, for days on why you choose one or the other. So I won't go too deep in there. And I think I actually do talk deeply on all three of them. But at, at that at that core level, those those are broad. Those are new customers where rate we we'll want them to raise their hand. As they move further and they start interacting with you, maybe clicked around, saved an ad, that's your re-engagement level of, okay, maybe we need to provide them some benefits. Maybe we need to let them understand why they're going to buy my product, why they're going to take my service. That That's what we have at the middle of the funnel. And then we get to the bottom. What's your offer? How, how much urgency are you putting into them? Is there any FOMO associated? Why are they going to say no? Right? I want. I don't care. I, I assume everybody wants to say yes, but why are they going to say no? Let's go. Let's go figure that one out. Got you. Um, so, what about copywriting? What have been some of your biggest lessons that you could share? Like, is copy more important than the creative video or image, or is it video and image more important than the copy? Okay, so I'm going to answer this two different ways because I know I'm going to get tons of hate on this from all of you traditional marketers. I believe, I believe, and all the evidence that I have to show this and the tests that we've done, creative, as in the actual image video thing, is more important than the copy. Okay, I said it. I said it. But to get to good creative and get the good assets and images, it starts with copy and storyboard yep so, and testing the copy angles yeah it feeds itself right i, I don't want to if we were to say what what in this ad unit is the reason why people are going to click they're going to look at the creative and then from the creative they're going to move to the comments maybe they're going to go read the story comments for me is is actually i observed this when i was um with my partner Shanice. i watch how she's interacting with ads and i, I employ you to ask uh your lady of just watch how they go through ads i'm like what did you read anything? She's like, no, I just go right to the comments. I'm like, why? Because like I get all my answers in the comments. And I go, duh. Like, what, what am I create conversation? Then, then that turns into this this slippery slope of like, should your customer service team be educated enough to sell your product? I love that topic. It's a great topic. But the engagement on the which now Facebook. I don't know if no one knows this. I know we're getting a little all over the place on this. But Facebook now gives you and Instagram the ability to pin comments on ads and posts. Huge win, huge win. That's a secret. Okay, um, tidbit, pro tip. Anyways, so on copywriting, copywriting is going to give you the storyboard to begin your testing. In the actual ad unit itself, majority of the testing that's going to be most important for us is on the actual creative itself. And when it comes to okay, because yeah, we see this at Founder, right? Like we actually see that um, the copy is important from working out the creative. Uh, image or video angles to you know what is going to get that get that person's attention or that pattern interrupt when they're scrolling on the newsfeed or the story that comes out of them. So it's that hook 
it's that angle, it's that crazy thing or whatever that is. And then, you know, understanding the benefits, under, you know. So when it comes to copywriting, do you have a formula that people can follow when it comes to writing copy? Is it better to go long form or is it better to go short form from all, like all your testing, all your experience? Okay. The, I, the easiest framework that we use, we don't have one where, where it's like, what is your template? I don't have a full template that I'd be able to hand out on copy. I would say it's less fluff and more benefit driven on, on selling a physical product. If you can sell a physical product highlighted around the benefits of it or the solutions of it, then that in itself is a framework, right? And then it's up to us to, okay, are we, are we listing this as bullets? Are we listing these benefits as testimonials? Are we listing this benefit as a story? If it's a product that is easily to be easily understood as in a hat or glasses, and it isn't such a unique selling proposition within it that doesn't need explanation, you can get away and you're probably better off of presenting exactly what it's going to do for you. Now, say you have a larger ticket item and you're selling a truck, okay? You can have that truck. Why, why is that truck different? Okay, it's got X horsepower, it's got X this, but actually the reason why it's different is because it is a hydrogen-specific truck. Why is hydrogen important? Because it's the future. Why is it the future? Here's your story. Now, the more you have to convince and the more you have to have a higher price tag on products, I believe there's stories involved. When you're selling info, right? A great example, Adrian Morrison, uh, the consulting.com guys, they got high ticket products. They got large ticket items. You're going to need a little bit of buy-in and you're going to want to have that story so that I can start building some relation or instilling something within me. Does that have to be in the copy? Not necessarily. That can still be in the video itself. It really is is like, where do you want to earn? The, what's earning the click versus what's earning the purchase? Is that ad going to try to get the purchase? Or do you just want that ad to, to earn the click and let the page do the selling? Mm, gotcha. Yeah. So that's part of it as well. Thinking about what's the part, what's the journey that that person's going to go on and really selling that click to make it relevant. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like, what, what, is, what, is, what do I want this job of this ad to be? Do I want to get them to cite because I know we got a great conversion rate or you're going to like, I really got to do a lot of the heavy lifting to break down some barriers right away. Right. And then, I mean, Nate, we could talk until we're blue in the face on this. Where are they on the funnel? Do I want to sell even right here? Do I, do I just want to keep pushing them in? Got you. Now, dude, I love hearing around tests. And I think a lot of people would like conclusive tests from all the money you've spent, because that's just straight cut through. Like, that's why, you know, one of the reasons we wanted to work with you on this incredible Facebook ads course, because you just have the experience. You have just a wealth of experience from all the tests you've run, all the money you've spent. So let's talk about some tests around video and image creative. What have you found from that? Like what works, what doesn't? Not only do I have the tests, but I have the weight gain to prove it. <laughs> I have the weight gain. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, my God. Okay. So some of the some of the tests that we ran. So I I out of all the tests we have currently running, we opt for videos nine out of ten times at top of funnel. Why are we optimizing for video? Or why are we opting for videos at top of funnel? Is because it provides us two different things. One, it provides us a new audience that we can remarket towards off of video views. Two, it provides us templates or I would say like content bricks that allow for us to like slide in and slide out to find a right combination. So it gives us more, 
more variables to dial in versus actual image itself. And the data of video more convincing than image at top of funnel specifically is there across all of our hundred brands. It, it, I, no argument. Now, where where I think each account is, and I don't want to say like I'm going to hang my hat on just running videos. Every account is very, very unique. And I'm saying I have one brand. Uh, they sell uh, Australian clay mask. We run three ad accounts for them. They, I can have the same exact creative in all three of these ad accounts, and they're going to perform completely differently. I, that's Facebook being Facebook, and it, it absolutely, excuse my language, are we allowed to curse on this? I don't know. Are we allowed yeah, to yeah, curse yeah. on this? Yeah. It's absolutely f- because Facebook does this, and you are like, why did that work, and why didn't it not work over here? Well, I don't know. I don't have that answer. I wish I did. I'd be, I'd be a lot richer than I am. Out of the tests on, on videos itself, the, the, the average duration of where your hook should be or your solution should be is in the first three seconds. That never, that's never going to change. That is never going to change because the average watch time across our brands is two to five seconds. So if you know that's all the time you have, you better, you, you better have that hook. You better have a thumb stopper early. Yeah. Got you. And I know, and I know you guys see that as well. Yep. Yep. So you've found from your experience, videos perform better than creative when it comes to prospecting cold traffic. And it's all about the hook of getting that person's attention. And it gives you more variability to remarket to that cold traffic as well and build that retargeting pool. Oh, it sounds so much sexier when you say it than me. <laughs> That's all good. Um, <laughs> so so when it comes to creative for bottom of funnel, what is it video or is it image and what kind of things do people need to be thinking about? Like, do you have any just guaranteed home run stuff? Like, let's just say put stars in the headline, you know, five stars. Like, I know they say you shouldn't do that, but anything like that. Yeah, I, we used to actually do it all the time until Facebook started like banning and, and deleting our ads. They actually are so frowned upon on putting five stars in the actual. We used to use it as, as the headline, right? Right there, five stars, four to nine, the rating. We give ourselves a four out of nine rating um, or 4.9 out of five rating. That That is frowned upon. The biggest win for us. Okay, so let's talk, let's talk industry specific. If we're, going, if we're going SaaS or a product that takes selling, a video of a specific pain point from a, a, a customer, someone that might look like their customer is the most impactful ad unit you can absolutely run. This, this upfront, just human, very natural, very human, because at the end of the day, this is, this is a human to human platform. I want to see that, right? I don't log in and want Lululemon to be pinging me. I want to have this, this attractive looking male or female act, uh, model talking to me about why they love the product. So bottom or middle of the funnel needs to be a benefit or an overcome that I had with your, with your service from someone that looks like they would be a purchaser of this product or purchaser of this service. Now, what we can do to get away with this, or if you don't have the ability to create a video, it's the image with a quote of the solve that that product or service just did. Because what, what, what is happening right now in 2020, 2021, I'm sure, is like the creation of AI weird human faces that you don't they're not even real people it's just like that person looks kind of real it's not even real it's isn't crazy. that wild yeah so when it comes to these kind of you know objection handling videos or images or whatever that is 
do you find that the non-polished ones like just selfie works best or actually, you know, professional in the studio camera, like what works best? So I think you have to take into consideration your AOV. You have to take in the value of your product. If you are, because you're, you're not going to have Rolex and you're not going to have Apple roll something out that's a lip, like it might look user produced, but I guarantee you they're looking like they're holding some sort of other camera that's very high end and then shooting it at a very high quality. So I would look at where, where is your product and what is the, the cost of that product? And can you afford to come across as not put together a little bit more organic? Can you afford to do that? I think if you are not as romantic about your brand and understand that you are in acquisition mode, you should go as raw as you possibly can. Some people, that rawness, it's to a degree, right? Like, would you as founder go absolutely raw where there's like stuttering or there's like some sort of, of cut through or the, uh, the transition isn't clean? You probably wouldn't let that go live. No. And we, so we that, want to take our ads to a whole nother level. Like I was talking to Charlie, like, like we need to oh, take shit. them to a whole nother level and make them more on brand. You know what I mean? So, yeah, there's a bit that needs to be done there. So, I would tell you that argument, like, yeah, I would like it to be as raw as possible, but that raw, that raw meter, it's dependent on how, what was, what, what, where do you want your product to be? Okay. So creative bottom of funnel, it could be video, could be image, but what the big focus has to be is around objection handling. And also, you know, can you handle those objections with customer success stories or, you know, product experience, et cetera. Um, I will give you, I will give you this major win that we just started texting. I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah, please, please tell me. So we, we're starting to use a split screen, split screen ad unit. And I wish I would pull it up right now, but it's essentially, it's the, it's the testimonial of, of the person or, or the founder talking about the actual product itself. And then on the right side, a very nice graphic of the product or, or a nice product or POW product on white or product on color, just showing what it looks like. So it's them talking and doing the experience, but then right away you're keeping the product in frame the entire time. This has worked for years for us. And it's because I can see what the product is. I'm seeing it in use. Okay, I, I understand I can build relation towards it. One thing you talked about was positioning. You said you were really good at positioning. I want to know what is positioning from your perspective and why is that important as a media buyer? I think it's not even just me, but I think it's us, us as marketers. So we positioning is which which life force that is being talked about. Are you is this product tapping into what what unconsciousness of the consumer as the is this product going to be? So let me. I know that was very very uh, convoluted. Let me go into it. Every product service is going to provide some sort of solution, or there's a benefit towards it, or else. Why am I going to buy it? Some of these benefits are to make us more desirable. That is a position of how do I make, by you having this product, by me having a leather AirPod case, how does this make me look towards the opposite sex or towards my peers? That is a, that is a positioning of raising my self-worth. Then there's an other position of a product if it's going to make sure that it's going to make my life easier and I'm going to live a little bit better. That is positioning of comfortability. That's the positioning of, hey, I'm by getting this product, I'm actually elevating. So that money I'm spending that I may or may not have, that's okay because I'm buying comfort and I can afford to do that and that's going to make me feel good. Next is, is this a product that's going to be, that's going to make somebody else feel good 
And is it such a giftable product that's going to position me as something that they're going to have more likeness towards? That that's another way of building position. There's these these thought works and these frameworks of the of the unconsciousness of consumers that we don't even know why we do what we do, but we're going to choose it. For instance, we have this beautiful mic I have in front. I have the AirPods in, but I know that this sounds better, and I want that to happen because I want the quality of the product to be here. That is why we bought this, or that is why we're using this right now. Yeah, I see. Interesting. So why is understanding the psychological needs of the, the product or service sold that you're selling on Facebook, why is that important to you? Two reasons. Facebook is, or any advertising platform outside of Pinterest, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about Pinterest after this, is you don't log in looking to make a purchase. Unless you've been scouring the internet somewhere, you're not really logging into this platform to, to do that. So you have to have something that speaks that uh, provokes some sort of emotion or else you're, you're wasting advertising dollars because it's just taking up an ad space. It's just taking up a position. So every, every ad, whether you're in top, middle, bottom of funnel, has to have the intention of stopping the feed. How are you stopping the feed? With some sort of powerful transition, with some sort of powerful statement, with some sort of agitation of this problem for your solution of your product, right? If you're not, you didn't think enough about your product. You didn't think enough about this funnel. I see. So um, before you look at marketing any product or service, um, you really go deep on the positioning. Like that's a big part of like before you even work out what the creative is, what the copy is, who the audiences are we're targeting, what the funnel looks like. What is the solve or the main benefits that your product has? Starting there is exactly what's going to start bringing down who my customer is, who my potential voice is going to be, who my potential audience is going to be. Like within positioning, there's just a handful of, of steps that we need to go through before you can go live with that campaign. It is very similar to what, what Greta is doing. She builds your audience first. After you build the audience, then we launch that product because they've already given you all the information of how to position it, right? I have to keep going back to it because she explains it so simply. Um, it explains such a, a large concept so simply. Well, man, dude, you've dropped a whole ton of knowledge on us. We have to work towards wrapping up. But, um, you know, really, like, I really appreciate you taking the time and just walking us through the key elements of, of, of media buying and running Facebook ads that convert and the things that you need to be thinking about and all the lessons um, that you've learned from spending just a ridiculous amount of money um, really excited that we've partnered with you on this incredible course around how to run successful Facebook ads. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we can talk about more of that a little bit later. But yeah. long story short, like, is there any kind of imparting words of wisdom that you would like to share um, around kind of anyone that wants to use Facebook ads to grow their business? Yeah, I, I would. And I think I did the same thing the last time we had a conversation. Any, any, any agency, any marketer you hire, any freelancer, we are, we are mouthpieces and we are microphones. You are the voice of your brand. You are the voice of your product. If you don't know the levers to pull, no one's going to solve that for you. Like they can collaborate with you. They can sit there with you. They can, they can help you come to realizations, but all the positioning and the product is going to come from you, the owner, or you, the entrepreneur, right? Don't, don't look at someone as to be like, oh, they've had success. They're going to find success for me. It's they might have systems, they might have processes, 
but it comes, you have to come to the table with like, Hey, I know this is the direction we need to go. And here's the research we've done. I'm going to partner with that. Second, and that's on the product side. That's on the service side. That's on the understanding your business side. The second is you have to know the platform yourself and the right buttons to click. Facebook is the most advanced tool currently. You can log into Snap and learn in a couple of days. You can log, maybe, maybe Google will be a little bit more confusing. Even after these years, I still fumble my way through it. Facebook has so many buttons and different tabs to go through. Just understand the ones that you need now to get up, running, and live. If you can't understand it yourself, how are you going to be able to give critical feedback to someone that might take it over or an employee of yours? You won't. You won't be able to be collaborative enough to it. So you have to know it to a degree and you have to trust. You don't want hacks. You want systems and processes that have happened for a while. So if you can understand, hey, I know this is not exactly for my business, but I see that what the core concept is here and I see the understanding of this process and what my potential outcome could be by doing these inputs. That is what I'll leave you with. Understand your, the voice, understand the platform before you can really lean into collaboration with others. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I agree. Look, like we spent a lot of money on Facebook ads for Founder. I wouldn't know how to technically buy Facebook ads, but I know the function of you know, top, middle, bottom. I know what works, I know what doesn't. I, yeah. you know, I, 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 I'm very, very invested in the unit economics, I think is a big thing that people shy away from. Like you really need yeah. to know how much can I spend to acquire a customer? Like now, you know, you can get people to work that out for you, but that's just like, you, you need to know that within your business because that's how you grow. The problem, man, this, the music, in my ear. if you don't, if you don't know what or how much you can spend, you don't know, you shouldn't spend, you should not spend because you, 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 I've time and time again, we've seen fully ventured, fully, fully ventured backed companies be extremely unprofitable for a very, very long time. The only reason why they're living is because they keep raising rounds, unless that's your path, which most of us, it isn't be profitable as from day one or at least understand what that step is towards profitability. Acquisition aggression level, right? Like mm. if you if you like I think there's levels to when it comes to Facebook ads and media buying and like I think level 1 is like, you know, trying to be profitable on the front end and then level 2 is like breaking even um and but then making sure you have a sophisticated back end. So, you know, you, you're prepared to break even or you've got a loss leader product, right? Like, um, you know, simple, simple concept is McDonald's. Like apparently they don't make money or make, make any profit on the burger. Where they make profit is via the upsells, the fries and the drink with that. Um, so oh, that's yeah. oh, essentially yeah. consider it like your back end or your burger is your loss leader. And that's level two. Can you break even, spend money to, you know, your, you, you cost, Ten dollars. It costs forty bucks for the product. Can you sell it for forty bucks? Right, bang. Or thirty dollars. Cover your costs. Right. So that's break even. And then the next level, which is the I believe the highest of all levels, which is can you spend money to acquire a customer at a loss? If you can do that, that's when you become the king or queen of your industry, the market that you play in, and that's effectively what you need to work towards depending on your business model. Now, there's a caveat, depending on your business model, but you can bet 
that if you look at like one of the now most valuable companies in the world, you can bet that like Jeff Bezos knew that for a very, very long time. That's why, you know, he was he he was happy to lose money or break even. And that was his opportunity to take margin. That, that's how I think of like the levels of acquisition aggression. What are your thoughts there? The only thing that stands out to me is the last thing you said. The, the business that can spend the most to acquire the most customers is going to win. That means they fully understand their business, they fully understand the margins, and they're willing to know, hey, I'm going to spend this money, and I don't think I'm gonna, I'm not gonna realize that cash flow until month three, six, or nine. Okay, because I understand what LTV looks like. It takes you time to build those models. I don't think it's business started. I'm gonna try to be unprofitable. You got to work your way up to that. Which, like you said, yes. If the person that can spend the most will win. Hard stop. Yeah, love it. So, um, yeah, look, uh, we have to work towards wrapping up. Uh, yeah. we, we've done a lot to, to, you know, put out some incredible content to help our community. And we've worked together on this extremely in-depth course on how to run Facebook ads for beginners, for anyone that wants to start. Um, you know, below this video or, you know, after this video, if you do want, we recommend checking out the masterclass with Nick and myself, where I go through the MGD framework. I go through, you know, how the hell you actually do this. What does that formula, what does that framework look like? And really take you through step by step. And we've got like, you know, interactive slides. It's, it's awesome. So make sure you go and sign up to that if you'd like to kind of get a little bit of a teaser around the full course and, if you do like everything around you know, Nick's way of doing Facebook ads, which is a proven process, we highly, highly recommend you enroll in the full program. But um, Nick, 30 seconds from your perspective, like, uh, you know, how, how have you found just like working with us and, and um, you know, the time we've spent like putting this incredible course <laughs> together, man, you, you've, you've given a lot. <laughs> and it, it's probably going to come out in the bloopers on here, but we put in we put in wild wild hours in this i would i would never i would have never done this if it wasn't doing it with your team i would have never been able to push through this on my own i would have never been able to sit there and deliver the depth of content to to the standards of what founder creates if it wasn't for the founder brand if it wasn't for what you guys stand for i myself i yes I, I love to believe that i have the highest standards in the world and i think a lot of people like to believe that but when it gets down to creating the hours and hours of content and the depth and the like the processes that we've learned over the past 6 to 7 years and it put it into like this 0 to 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 10 course that we made i couldn't have done it without the team that was supporting me you, everybody on your side, um, man, I wish I could name every single person out by name, but I don't want to give them up because I don't want anyone to steal them uh, because I, they are too valuable. But this, I wish I had 30 seconds. You can give me 10 minutes. I can cover all 10 minutes of the gratefulness I have. But thank you so much for the opportunity to share. I, I truly believe that this is going to help a lot of people start, scale, and grow their business. And I would have never done this with any other partner. I know we covered a lot of ground. Uh, we went through media buying, copyright, and positioning, creative, your story, all the lessons you've learned. And uh, yeah, thank you so much, man, for just like taking the time to speak with me today and working with our team on this incredible course. It's been months in the making. Um, and uh, yeah, dude, where's the best place people can find out more about also structured social? Yeah, I think honestly, 
the website you you can you can find it it's structuresocial.com there's not much content there bug me on twitter bug me on instagram like i'm i'm all i'm weird i'm out there i i love the interaction i i i live this like this is what i do i log into my computer and facebook every day so this isn't something that i have a team offshore running it this is me this is my life uh, so come see what, what we're about. So I am Shackleford on Twitter. I am Nick Shackleford on Instagram. Please reach out to me. I love this space. Awesome. Well, look, thank you so much for your time, man. No problem. Thank you so much, brother. Founders, entrepreneurs, influencers, disruptors. We feature hundreds of in-depth case studies with the greatest business minds of our current generation. Building a business is hard. The founder mission is to help you create an ass-kicking business and help you learn straight from the mouths of world-class founders. Get your free printed edition of Founder Magazine featuring Sir Richard Branson. Just cover shipping and handling at founder.com forward slash Branson. That's F-O-U-N-D-R dot com forward slash Branson.